Join the big show Friday from 3 to 6. Friday they'll be at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. That's the Warehouse. Coming up, we're talking Utes and Cougars later in the show with Darnell Dixon. He covers BYU for the Daily Herald. That's at 8.30. Chris Camrani, Utah writer for The Athletic at 9 o'clock. If you miss it, everything's on the podcast. The whole show's a podcast. You can get it at Stitcher, Spotify. You can go to 1280thezone.com, wherever you want. So if you miss anything, you can track it all down later today. DJ and PK, available everywhere. We've gone global, PK. Who knew? I mean, that's amazing. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us now on the Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Dudes, what happened this weekend? Everybody was depressed at church this weekend. What, what the heck, man? Uh, what you the don't, heck? You don't go That's to why ch- I didn't go to church. <laughs> You don't go to church with Aggies? Aggies I thought you were an unordained minister. I am an unordained minister, yes. <laughs> I can I appreciate your next marriage, sure. Riley. You just call me. For my next one? Yeah. Oh, great, great. <laughs> On my anniversary today, you're talking about my next marriage. Thanks a lot. Thanks hey, a lot. I only know what I read in the scriptures. I didn't say you were dumping the first one. <laughs> Oh, man. What a weekend, huh? So we'll start with the Friday night. How did how, how in the world did that happen? How did USC get deep again and again and again? Well, <clears throat> I did think it was interesting. I thought, you know, when we talked last week, you asked me if they were going to go three-man rush and drop eight, and I – I did think they would do some. I, I knew they were going to mix in some man-to-man because I thought that they, you know, that the University of Utah thought that they could handle these wide receivers man-to-man. But clearly, um, these wide receivers, when you play them man-to-man, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And I, I, I think one of the hallmarks of the University of Utah that I've always enjoyed and that, that really makes me want to watch their football games is their halftime adjustments. And I usually look forward to their halftime adjustments because I think they're very good at it. And I just didn't see the adjustment that helped them to win that game. They stayed in man-to-man. They, they, they continued to allow themselves to get burnt on certain plays. And I was, I was just surprised. It was a little bit of a head-scratcher. And, you know, uh, it's, it's like you guys have said. I've heard a million people say, USC – is always a dangerous team because of how athletic they are. Now, are they going to be well coached every week? I don't know. Are they going to are they going to deliver every week? I don't know. Are they going to be motivated every week? I don't know. But certainly last week that that looked like a very good USC team compared to the week before playing against BYU. And I mean, you could argue that part of it is because BYU had a good game plan against them, and and maybe Utah's game plan wasn't quite as good. Well, how about it's just simple that the receivers were better than the defensive backs and we're overthinking anything more beyond that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, that's what I'm saying is I, I don't think they made the adjustment and went to zone or maybe made this quarterback think about it very much. Um, 
you know, and then uh, the other thing that was interesting is, you know, as much as I've been excited about the University of Utah offensive line, I mean, they just got dominated. And I think one of the things that hurts just a little bit more because they got dominated by USC's defensive line is that Jay Tupele is from right here in the Salt Lake Valley from Bingham, Bingham High School, and he was just having a heyday with Utah's offensive line. And, and you know, those two things, the, the, the inability for the DBs at Utah to match up with USC's wide receivers and the offensive line inability to block those interior defensive linemen was, was frustrating all night. So Washington State uh, has a similar scheme. They won't have three NFL-bound wide receivers, I wouldn't think. But how much faith do you have in the Utes' ability to corral this passing game, given what you saw in the first half with Northern Illinois and what you saw in the USC game? Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're watching the University of Utah, and, you know, it's interesting as a coach because you're constantly learning about your team and, and – one of the things that I struggle with, and I'm not saying that college coaches struggle with this, but when, I, when I'm coaching, it's, it's really, really hard for me to tell, particularly on film, whether we match up well or not. And so I just go to the default setting like, hey, we don't match up well, so we need to do this, we need to do that, and we need to do this in order to be able to score. And we're going to have to use some misdirection and some smoke and mirrors and some different things to be able to score. Um, and I wonder sometimes if college coaches do the same thing where it's just like, man, I really thought our guys matched up man-to-man with those guys. And so you learn about your defense, you learn about your offensive line, and you're able to make adjustments. I think they'll play much better this week against Washington State, but my goodness, Washington State's defense can't be good. I mean, UCLA had struggled to score against everyone, and then they scored 67 last week. I mean, how how would you feel if you're the quarterback for Washington State? You threw for almost 600 yards and nine touchdowns and lost. I mean, what a terrible feeling inside. <laughs> yeah, I would think that's why I came to Washington State, though. So <laughs> I kind of knew that going no, in. No, I, I mean, I agree with that. And 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 certainly, when you're a quarterback at Washington State, you love that you get to you, you get to have the ball in your hands and, and make plays. But I'm not sure that he thought he was going to be losing game 67-63. Right. Probably not. Uh, a poss- Maybe 49-45, you know, but yeah. 67-63, that's a, that's a freaking arena game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a possibility that the Utes could be without Moss and Huntley uh, for the quarterback situation. How much do you change things then? Well, that, I mean, that does make things a little bit difficult. I mean, I, I think what you're excited about is the fact that you're going to be able to move the ball against Washington State's defense. The question is, can you slow them down enough? Can you get, can you get a stop per half to be able to compete with Washington State? Uh, you know, interestingly enough, and I don't know, I haven't looked at what they've listed, you know, as the backup quarterback, but Lisk has seemed to be the one that's coming in for mop-up time. And if Huntley's out, that would be very interesting to me to see uh, what ends up happening, especially as well as uh, – oh, shoot, I just spaced his name. The quarterback from last year, the backup. Uh, Shelly. For Utah. Shelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he played so well last year, and it just it just seems to me that if, if, if he was still the second-string quarterback, why would you not have him in for mop-up time 
and running the troops and doing the things that you need to do. And so I'd, I'd be interested if Huntley really is out, he, who is the backup quarterback for, for sure? Because I think, I think that has a big influence on how the game goes. And with Moss out, um, obviously we think it's a shoulder. We don't know how long. What are they saying Huntley's injury is? They're, they're not, not saying anything. Or, well, of course they're not saying anything. Do we have a speculation or – well, yeah, he that. was limping after the game the other night. I can tell you that. I saw it okay. for myself. Yeah, I mean, as, okay. soon as, as soon as Moss went out, he ran right into the teeth of the defensive line on the next two plays, and he ended up with 18 carries. I mean, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but this is kind of predictable. It is predictable when he's carrying the ball that many times, but it's also predictable that he was going to have to carry the load a little bit this game when Moss went down because – you just don't have your whole offense in. And I know they're excited about, you know, other running backs and some different things, but when Moss is down, it's a, it's a different team and you have to come up with a different scheme. The good news is when this kind of thing happens at the University of Utah, I mean, what have they built their program on? They've built it on defense. They've built it on special teams. And they're not counting on a ton of offense. And so, um, yeah, you have to make adjustments, but I think it's going to be more of the same. I think they're going to try and pound the rock. They're going to be smart with the football. And they're going to try and keep this to a low-scoring game as much as they can. Washington State's going to be difficult to do that with. But that's kind of what they've built their team on, so that when these sorts of things happen, it's not as huge of a loss. Uh, Kyle said a couple things at his uh, press conference that apply to this. He was asked about the backup quarterback. He said it's still an open competition. Whether that's true or not, that's what he wanted to throw out there on the Monday before the Washington State game. Uh, So he was asked about that. Um, well, I mean, they are different style quarterbacks, right? Like, I mean, one is mobile and can run around and, and can do a little bit of the run game for you. The other's a, a traditional, like, pocket passer. And so uh, I can see why he would want to keep that a secret. I, I can see why he would want to, like, not give away his hand on that sort of thing. And he also said the special teams really haven't been an advantage. They've been an advantage in the past. And to your point, you know, they've built on that. But he said right now there's basically kind of a wash. Just kind of even. They haven't really no, gotten a leg up. That's fair enough. I, I, and I just don't know how you can have a run like they've had. I mean, the, the run that University of Utah has had, special teams-wise, is really pretty incredible if you think about it. And I thought that the special teams would be down a little bit this year, and I thought the offense would be up a little bit this year, and that that would make up for some of it. But he's right. It's not, it's not as good as it has been, but it's certainly – something the University of Utah is proud of. It's certainly something that they put a lot of time into. And I expect special teams to get better and better and better as the season goes on. Are the Cougars screwed without Tyson Williams? I think it's a I think it's a pretty big blow. I mean I, I he, he didn't he just give you that feel that they had a big time back? That they yeah, had somebody yes. that could that could really run the ball. And I'm not sure I get that feeling from anybody else that's on their team. That's not that's not a cut to Katoa, Lopini Katoa. I think he's more of a traditional BYU back that's been able to catch the ball out of the backfield and get you some yards on the old draw trap and on some different things like that and hurt you when you're passing the ball to set up the run. But, man, when I saw, when I saw in that game, when I saw that little – it was like his foot just barely hit the ground and the helmet hit his knee at the same time and you just saw that tweak and I was like, oh no, please don't be an ACL. Not not for this guy. I mean, everything that you read about him is that he's a good 
he's a good kid. He's been a good teammate. And you were hoping the best for him. And, and you hate to see an injury like that, you know, as a fifth-year graduate transfer. But, I mean, it's part of the game. It's the reason why BYU went out and got more running backs is because you need depth at that position. And I do think it hurts them a little bit. Although, I think their natural inclination is to really just give the reins to Zach Wilson and let him take this team. So, it maybe takes the pressure on them not to have to run the ball as much because I, it's ironic to me that I feel like Grimes wants to pass the ball more than he wants to run the ball. Brother, your, uh, your Aggies went down and beat San Diego State. How much did that up your – and apparently you don't go to church with any Aggies because everybody at church, you said, was, <laughs> so you apparently have no Aggies. Where did you go? Well, they all came. Hey, they all came out of the pews on Sunday. I mean, they, you know, they had the Utah State tie. They were ready to go. They were ready to go. So on Sunday, have, but. we talked about how the schedule's tougher this year. They have these cycles that are unbalanced in the Mountain West. But you go get that one. You you didn't lead the whole way because it was three nothing early. But you got the pick six pretty early. So you led the vast majority of the game. How much does it change the outlook for the season? And how much was it just? Hey, it's a one off. You checked one box, but there's seven more to go. Well, I think I, there, there's two things that happened in this game that I think are, are good for Utah State. One is is they had to figure out how to win against a good defense. San Diego State's defense is tough. It's always been tough to play against Rocky Long. I remember when he was in New Mexico, I played against him, and I, I think I threw the ball 50 times in that game. I swear I got hit 49 times. I mean, he just he does a good job of confusing offensive lines and getting hits on quarterbacks. And, the, and and quite honestly, like his man-to-man scheme and his zone scheme is a little bit confusing to quarterbacks. And so I think it builds a little bit of confidence that you, that you grinded out a win offensively. And I know you had to pick six, but you grinded out some points. You did enough good things to beat them. And then I think the other thing, and I know, you, I know that San Diego State's offense isn't great, and I know they talked about being this spread offense this year, but it looks like the same old Rocky Long offense to me. But Utah State's defense is going to need confidence builders as much as they can. They're down a whole bunch of corners. They've got a lot of injuries on defense. Obviously, Woody's an unbelievable you know, linebacker, and he makes a lot of plays. But they needed that confidence builder on the road. And you know everybody's been talking about how they need to get a Mountain West Conference, a legitimate Mountain West Conference road win. And I... I think this is good for Utah State, and I think that they can build some confidence off of this and and move forward into the conference going, God, you know what? We can do some things here. We can do some things with this team and with this defense. So does those some things include beating Boise? Well, I mean, that has to be be your goal, right? I mean – the, the the road to the to the Mountain West Conference Championship goes through Boise, and Utah State has not been able to do that. There's two things that Utah State needs to break through on, and that is in the early season having a P5 conference win on the road. Um, I feel like San Diego State was a good win for them to build some confidence. But then the second thing really is you've you've got to beat Boise in a year where they're good to win the conference championship or, or at least to win your division championship to get to the conference championship game. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate you guys. You guys are, you guys are so fun to listen to. So I tune in all the time and I know I'm annoying because I text you and I'm laughing at your jokes, but it just means that I appreciate you guys. 
You're not texting me. You're just texting PK, so you're laughing at me, aren't you, Riley? With you. No, no, with no, no, you, no. With no. You, you're with with you. the group text. See, mm-hmm. that just shows mm-hmm. you don't even pay attention to me. Right. <laughs> I pay attention, and I respond immediately. Thank you. Thank you, PK. Thank All right. You. Thanks, Riley. All right, guys. Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Coming up next, we're talking BYU football. Darnell Dixon covers BYU for the Daily Herald. He's going to stop by at 8.30 as they get ready to hit the road. Had three or four at home. Doesn't last forever. you got to go out at some point. So off they go to Toledo. And then a bye week and then South Florida. We're joined now by Andrew Reinhardt. Wasatch Medical Clinic. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. You were just talking about the procedure, and you've been in here before, so people probably yeah. have an idea. But I didn't know that it was basically a 10-minute procedure. Yeah, it's pretty quick. It's a device that is placed on top of the skin. It's not invasive. It's not surgical. It basically uses pulsating waves that are delivered into the tissue of this part of the body. Um, it'll open up the blood vessels you have, regrow blood vessels, kind of clearing out the plumbing, so to speak. It's cool because it's the root cause problem of ED, not a band-aid. It's not a medication that kind of flushes the body out with blood temporarily. This is more a long-lasting solution. 801-901-8000 is the number. Who's the candidate? Anybody that is struggling in the bedroom, that has ED, if you're feeling like things are slipping, that's an excellent time to come in and get analyzed because it's so easy to fix if you have partial function left. All right, you've got a special offer right now. We do. If Our listeners like deals. Yes, they do. If you're listening and struggling with erectile dysfunction, sick of the meds, um, we're going to do a free analysis, basically, for those that call in now. That includes a blood flow ultrasound. The doctor can look at your medication, tell you what the issue is. Um, and it's zero risk, by the way. There's no strings attached. There's not a sales process or an obligation. So if you're curious and apprehensive, which most guys are, Come on in. In 30 minutes, you'll have a lot of answers, whether you do the treatments or not. All right. Call them now. 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. And now, attention. Top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah and BYU announced jointly that they've altered their current rivalry series. They're going to play in 2020 and 2021. Take a two-season hiatus while Utah... Plays a home-and-home series with the Florida Gators. And then Utah and BYU will resume their series from 2024 through 2028. Monday Night Football, the Bears get the win. Chicago goes to Washington and wins it 31-15. Chicago forcing five turnovers and Mitchell Trubisky throwing three touchdown passes to Taylor Gabriel in the second quarter. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy. If you want better health and to feel better, check out Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy and ask about the Zone listener specials on cryotherapy, IV drips, hyperbaric oxygen treatment, and more. Visit Restore.com for more details. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You ever think science goes a little too far sometimes? Uh, all the time. Researchers have created a viable, hybrid, part human, part pig embryo for the first time in history. Now, I know that there's a Hans Olsen joke coming on Twitter here shortly that I don't want to see, and I do not appreciate Tastes, people out there thinking Tastes of it. like chicken, maybe? I don't know. Could or, you imagine a pig man? They're <laughs> hungry. <laughs> they can... <laughs> 
Did you set that up? Did you just walk me into this? <laughs> yes, you did. You walked me in with no. this, some made-up embryo human pig I, thing. You're getting so stinking creative with ways to get that stupid drop played. <clears throat> I'm done. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Buying or selling a home, homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with homie. See more at homie.com. Time now to talk a little BYU football with Darnell Dixon. He covers BYU for the Daily Herald. He's joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Darnell, good morning. Good morning to you guys. So I guess the question is, BYU's 2-2, two and two, which I think for people making prognostications was really the best-case scenario, but they've also lost their starting running back. How optimistic should Cougar fans be going forward? Because I think a lot of people were hoping 2-2 two and two would turn into 8-4. and four. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, you know, I look at that 2-2 two and two and I see how BYU fans can say, hey, you know, I don't think anybody thought we'd be 2-2 two and two after those four games. But I look at it as two blowouts and two really fortunate wins. So there's still a lot out uh, as far as what this team really is and how good they can actually be. Uh, we know the schedule's not quite as stiff as they go forward in these eight games. There are some challenges, obviously, there with Utah State and Boise State, especially because those two teams have kind of uh, had BYU's number for a couple of years. Um, I, I think BYU fans should, should be optimistic. I think BYU has better uh, depth to handle some of these injuries that they've had. Um, they're not like, you know, some of these uh, other Power 5 teams that they, they replace a five-star with a five-star, but I think that they've got some good talent in the running back group to, to step up and and, uh, and get some good yards. It's, it's just too bad for Tyson Williams. He was really fitting in well, and, and I think he had a really bright future here at BYU, have a really nice season. Um, but uh, the coaches and players all say next man up, and they've got some guys that can step in and play those positions. And, you know, the offense has been kind of up and down in this preseason. I think they've shown some progress, but the consistency is not there yet. And and the defense really hasn't stopped anybody yet, especially with the run. So I think there's a lot of questions still to be answered as the schedule changes a little bit and they, they have a little bit more favorable um, um, time to, to take on some of these other programs. So do you think with Williams down, even though they got a couple other guys there for sure, will they feature more of the pass? Well, that's a good question, too. I, I think that a lot of it depends on the opponent. Uh, I think when they play on Saturday at uh, at Toledo, this is a, a team that, that gave up 694 total yards to Colorado State and 405 of those were passing. So you think there's going to be some places for them to exploit it. Um, I know that they talk a lot about balance as far as running and passing, but they've still leaned pretty heavily, I think, on the pass, and they really like what Zach Wilson's doing. Um, I, I think they'll try to balance it, but, again, it's it's dependent on the opponent and – Toledo's shown a propensity to give up a lot of pass yards. So I think we might see uh, some some play calls that, that run the ball but set up some trying to hit some big pass plays as well. So you mentioned the BYU defense, the ability to stop the run, and uh, Brian Kobach just ran for a couple hundred yards for Toledo against CSU. How much should BYU be worried about that rushing attack versus their rush defense? Well, Toledo was interesting because when they played at BYU two or three years ago, they were a passing team, and 
and ran up some some great totals uh, offensively against the BYU defense at that point. I think that BYU defense was probably better than the one that they have on the field this year. So I think they should be plenty worried about what Toledo can do on the ground. And uh, those young linebackers are going to be forced to make some plays. And, and they've made some plays, but certainly given up way too much on the ground. And they've been fortunate they've had some good red zone defense and forced some field goals in some other games. Washington kind of um, – took care of them pretty easily on, on Saturday and, you know, Toledo's not Washington, but they definitely have some guys, like you mentioned, Kubak and, and their quarterback's a good runner as well. So it, it's a different test each week and, and this defense, this, you know, drop eight, rush three may not play as much of a role in in this game because of how much Toledo runs, but they're going to be tested and, and it's an early morning game as well, so, you know, it's, what's it, a 10 o'clock start out there or out here and so, um, there's some some challenges there for BYU as they go on the road. Does a loss to Toledo take the luster off the two overtime wins? For sure, it does. It's it's a MAC team, and it's. I think that what the BYU program wants to get to is they want to be uh, a team that can compete with Power Five teams. They've shown they can do that to some extent. Um, with, with the Tennessee and USC wins, but consistency is important. And I, I think that they're going to be expected to win. And that, that puts you in a kind of a different situation when you're a team on the road and you have some things going against you, but you're still expected to come out on top. And, and I, I think the BYU fan base is expecting that, those that are paying for the ESPN Plus so they can watch the game. And, and I think that the, the, the coaches have their work cut out for them this week and trying to make sure this group is ready for a different kind of challenge. It's not a P5 program, but it's definitely a program that could that could mess up their season. And, you know, they go from these first four games where they're 2-2, two and two, they have eight games that they're going to be favored in, in the majority of those. And so they've got to deal with those kind of pressures as well. So do you think there's a, a big chance of a letdown here, trap game and all that kind of stuff? Uh, you get a little bit of a chance to talk to guys on Monday and kind of get a feeling for how they're how they're looking at this? Yeah, you know, Kalani was a little salty on Monday. He was asked some questions about the first four games and, and kind of evaluating the team, and he just didn't want to talk about it. He's he's all about Toledo right now, and I think that sends a message to the rest of the, the players that you know those four games are done, and, and we won two and lost two, and you have to focus on your next opponent or you can get tripped up. And so that attitude will, will pay off for them if that's permeating throughout the entire team. Now, we just know that the – the players that talked to the media and in Kalani's talk, he kind of said it that way, and so that's the the tack they're taking. So I, I don't think that they'll they'll be thinking they can handle this one easily. I think that they still believe that they're going to be a good team and they have a lot to prove, and this is an opportunity to do that. Yeah, how much is that from last year's experience of having some big wins and then some crummy losses? Yeah, I think the coaching staff is prepared for that, and I think that the players know that you're only as good as your last game. And, and, again, we talk about perception. And, and if BYU is not good enough to beat a, a mid-level MAC team, then there are issues. And, and that, that puts the perspective uh, for, for fans that, that this program still has a long way to go. And they're still building. And I think that, that most people expected, you know, if you look at, at expectations for this year, getting to eight wins was something that, that they thought would be a doable goal. And it still is. Um, and, and, you know, in reality, they could win all eight of these games and, and, and end up with more than eight wins. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a process that 
Kalani has put his program through. They've made some changes, obviously, the coaching staff offensively last year, and, and they put themselves in a position to be a little bit deeper at some places that they've they've suffered in. So it's an op- always an opportunity to play a, against a, a, a team the next week and prove yourself. And like Kalani said on Monday, he doesn't want to talk about the fir- first four games. He only wants to talk about Toledo. I'm curious, <clears throat> over the course of the season, if you're a good team, you know, you keep getting better, and usually there's some guys who over the course of the season kind of come to the forefront. Is there anybody you're watching here who maybe they're getting a chance because of injury, maybe they're just improving, maybe you're playing different opponents with different skill sets so you get more of a chance, depending on what the game plan is. But the guys you're looking for who have a chance to, to break out who are maybe still a little under the radar after a month? Yeah, I think that that linebacker group is a really good example of that, and and it's because they've got so much youth, <clears throat> so much youth there. Um, guys like Max Tooley and Chaz Ayu and Jackson Kafusi and Keenan Peely, um, Peyton Wilgar. They've just they're just guys that that are making big plays, but also making big mistakes because they just don't have the experience yet. And, and they're all getting a, a lot of reps now, and and they're, they got good reps against Power Five programs in the first four games. I think the coaching staff and the players know that that will pay off down the road as, as they take on the rest of this schedule. Um, but those are those are the guys I kind of look at, and and then you know there's there's the receiver group that had had three good games and then a kind of a bad game against Washington with some drops and some mistakes. I, I still think that that Gunnar Romney is going to play a pretty big role with that, that receivers group as they get going. And, and they managed to find uh, Aleva Hifo a little bit more against Washington. I think that's important. And Matt Bushman had some more catches. So I think the offense uh, needs those guys to step forward. And then we, we talk about the running backs. It's it's now time for Emmanuel Asukfa to, to step up and, and play the role that, that they had for Tyson Williams. He's not maybe as straight ahead fast, as Tyson, even though he's got good speed, but he's a little sturdier, I think, and and uh, I think he can provide a lot of help for that offense as well as Lapina Katoa, who's an experienced guy. He got to play a lot last year, so that there are a number of, of players who have gotten that good experience against these P5 programs, or they had some experience from last year that are going to be asked to step up as they they take on the rest of these eight games. Is this offense capable of scoring forty points? Yeah, you know, I I, I was. I was talking to some people about the offense, and I, I know that they were a lot of people are encouraged by the fact that they moved the ball. Um, they had you know pretty good overtimes in, in, in those situations, and against Washington, you take away some of those drops and and, and the, the turnovers, and they did move the ball fairly well against the Washington defense. That's generally one of the better ones in the Pac-12. So I think there's some encouragement there. It's it's just a matter of being consistent and, and avoiding those those big mistakes that have set them back and. Um, I think they've got some potential to do that, maybe more so now against some teams that don't have the kind of defense that they've been facing. But I, I you know, I think that Idaho State didn't score 40 against them, but can they score 40 against Toledo or Utah State or Boise State? That's still up for, up for grabs. We don't know. I think that Zach Wilson has been inconsistent. He's had some great moments, but also some moments where he kind of shows he's just in his sophomore year and still pretty young. So 40 points would be a great goal against any of these teams that are playing in the next month or so. Uh, I think, you know, like UMass and Liberty and Idaho State aren't going to be much of a challenge for BYU, but I'd be more impressed if they did it against Utah State or Boise State or Toledo. So are you still thinking 8-4 and four is a good goal, a good season, and it's still reachable, or are you recalibrating any of that? I think 8-4 and four is, is still a good goal, but if that's the case, then 
likely they'd be losing to Boise State and Utah State and beating the other teams on their schedule. And if that ends up being eight and four, I think there's a little bit of, of, a, of a letdown in that situation because if you look at the schedule in that sense, really, you know, beating USC and Tennessee was kind of maybe a surprise to some people. But the rest of the schedule is, is something that, that if they play well and continue to improve, they should be able to handle those games. Uh, Utah State and Logan's going to be very difficult. Boise State, as, as we mentioned before, they've kind of had BYU's number, and they're coming to Provo. So I, I think if they don't win one of those two games, there's still going to be a sense that the program isn't moving forward. And, and again, we're talking about perception. Is the program improving? Are they getting to a point uh, where, where it looks like they're getting better every year? And if, I think unless they beat one of those two teams – Boise State or Utah State, I think that that perception is still that they're a long, a long ways off. And I, I think that that's, that's going to hurt. Um, the, the, the fan base is not going to be as interested, and Kalani is going to be maybe a little bit more under fire at that point. Notre Dame subbing out for Utah those two years? Yeah, maybe. I heard, I heard Central Florida might be interested in, in, in that situation. You know, maybe it's going to be like Ross and Rachel on Friends. Maybe a break is a good thing uh, for the programs to to kind of take a step back for those two years. And I, I'm a purist. I think that BYU and Utah should play every year, but we're, we know we're in a different college football uh, scenario anymore, and and things aren't the same. Rivalries don't mean the same, and, and so you've got those two years. And you know, it's nice for for Utah to have an opportunity to bring up a club like Florida. Uh, the Salt Lake, and, and so I don't see anything really bad about it, other than um, it's good to see those two programs play every year. So, with the uh, schedule going forward, what's the feedback? And I don't know how much you've heard about. It. Do they feel like they've gotten the schedule where they want? Because some of the schedules going forward look even more difficult than this year. And I know some people are holding their breath about this year. And obviously with the two overtime games, a play here, a play there, you know, it could have been really different. Have they hit the right level? Do they need to do a little more to stay on the national radar? Were they lucky they got through this and they've overscheduled? What do you think? It's a very tricky business when you're talking about scheduling and independence. And some of that has to match up with how good you think you're going to be. I think BYU was expected – uh, to, to be in 2020, a pretty good team. They're very young this year, and they have a lot of guys coming back. But you take a look at that 2020 schedule, and they go at Utah, Michigan State at home, at Arizona State, at Minnesota, Utah State, Missouri, Houston. I mean, that, that's killer. And they've tried to build up their uh, their program and, and their depth so they can handle that kind of thing. Um, and and I don't know. That's a very difficult schedule. I think if, if you're looking, like, what are they going to do with that Utah slot in those two years, I think maybe they go down a little bit instead of playing someone the caliber of Utah, because they're starting to get some some pretty big games coming up, and, and it's it's such a unique schedule. No one else plays a schedule like BYU does, um, and, and, and I think it's, it's telling that you saw two season-ending injuries over the course of those four games for BYU, and pretty significant ones, that when you add in Zane Anderson, a uh, safety linebacker who's one of their better defenders, and Tyson Williams. So, it's a delicate balance, and, and I, I think next year's schedule is probably as difficult as they want to make it. I don't think they want to go beyond that. And, and as they move forward, I think they've got to consider that maybe you don't play four P5s in a row. Maybe you throw in, try to throw in a, a lower division team in that situation just to keep your guys healthy. Darnell, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and talking Cougars for a few minutes. Uh, all right, fellas. Have a good day. Darnell Dixon. 
covers BYU for the Daily Herald. We're going to take a break, and we come back. Chris Camerani, Utah writer for The Athletic. He's coming up at 9.05, about 20 minutes away, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Utes leaking this story of pausing the rivalry is a great way to distract from the butt kicking they got on Saturday. Well done, Utes. The Big Show will be at Wasatch Front Key on Riverdale Road Thursday, the 25th, for the summer clearance event. With up to $4,000 in customer cash or 0% financing and select 2019 models. Ask for details. Wasatch Front, Kia, Kia, Kia. PK. What? Do you honestly believe it was leaked to distract from the loss? No, I think somebody in Florida found out about it. Yeah. That would be great timing by Utah and BYU since they both had losses they want to talk about. But I don't know that that would cover it up anyway. Uh, Jason, we got a question up on our Facebook page, and Jason responding to with the question, BYU and Utah not playing in 2022 and 2023, uh-huh. but they're playing a couple years before that. They've got five years after that. Your reaction is, and Jason says, I would trade BYU for Florida every day. We should play a Florida team and a Texas team every year for recruiting. I just don't think that matters for recruiting. That sounds good. Uh, but Kids care about playing time. Yeah, not one game in your home state. If you were so worried about that, you wouldn't have left in the first place. Can't hurt to up the profile, but a thousand things go into recruiting. I don't know if there are any guarantees from that. Although I'd rather you see you playing Florida and Texas than in Northern Illinois. Because something might come out of it. It might matter to one kid. But it won't matter to one kid in DeKalb? Not sure how many Pac-12 quality players are floating around DeKalb. I'm thinking it's a pretty small number. Really? Yeah. For starters, there aren't a lot of people floating around to Cobb, so right there, that's a limiting factor. But, but what's the circle you draw around, though? What's the radius? A two-hour horseback ride. Okay, then you get into Chicago. Sweet. So then you're good to go. Fine, playing Florida and Texas, if that's going to matter, go ahead and do it. Yeah, they've got Baylor and Houston home and homes. Now they got this Florida home and homes. So right on. See how much of a bounce they get out of that. Great. I hope they do. Get a big bounce. If it were that easy, everybody would do it. So fact, I, mean, I don't know. That's just, <laughs> and some of the teams playing in Texas and Florida play all their games in front of the kids, and they suck. Yeah, I think the idea is don't play BYU. There it is. That's what that. Well, they're going to play him seven times in the next nine years. That poster wants to eliminate BYU. Wants to have them be marginalized hundred percent. So you could play in Alaska. You marginalize if it meant not playing BYU. They would play in Alaska. You marginalize them by beating them. Keep the streak going. Uh, you sure, yeah. Scott says, I like picking up the home-and-home with Florida, but I don't like dropping BYU in those years. We should keep by BYU and lose the NIU and Idaho State-type teams. Yeah, I think if you really want to be big-time, you would play BYU both those years. But you're really not sure. You, you feel like you have to have some cream puffs in there to set yourself up. And that's what they did that this year with Northern Illinois and Idaho State. And then they still got beat by SC. So even having the cream puff before 
SC. You still lost the game. They got Southern Utah, San Diego State, and Florida the first year, and then the second year it'll be Weber State, Baylor, and Florida. Yeah, that's fine. I've, I've got no problem with that. And then when they bring BYU back on, it's in combination with Baylor one year. So that first year back. So maybe this will be one of the softer schedules uh, that we see once we get out there a couple years. Yeah, and they've got to figure out a way to make sure they're bowl eligible because that's what you're trying to sell. You're really what, what the U of U is selling is hope. There's really nothing to back it up, as it is for most of the teams in the conference and most of the teams in Division One football. You know, the teams in, who, in the Big 12, you're, outside of a couple, you're just selling hope. This is the year. These are the years that we can do it. 65 Power 5 yeah. teams and 12 of them end up in big bowls or playoffs. Right. What are the other 53 doing? Going to the third and fourth tier bowls. Right. So that's the U of U is really no different than the majority of these. They hope to be different, and maybe someday they will. Maybe as, rec- as soon as this year. They'll be different. But the fact is, they're selling what everybody else is selling. Come here and play. We'll be on TV. We play a nice schedule. And we have the opportunity to go to Pasadena. Or we can do this or that. And NFL people are on campus all the time. Yeah. And that's a a great selling point, too. You got your chance to make it to the league. That's probably a better selling point. That's probably the best selling point that they have. Because every high school kid thinks he's going to the NFL. Well, they dream of it. Every fan base wants to believe they're going to the playoff or the Rose Bowl or whatever. And they're not. But it's a numbers game. It can't possibly happen. No, they're not. It's more the same schools that go every year. And that's why they're, they have a bunch of bandwagon fans, because everybody wants to be associated with a winner. So Ohio State has millions of fans because they pay millions of dollars and they hire Urban Meyer and look the other way until it becomes so obvious when Brett McMurphy exposes something. And then they go after Brett McMurphy. <laughs> so we know how that plays out. <laughs> they were still going after him. I saw a title yeah. in one of his tweets. Yeah, He did his bowl predictions, right. and it had uh, WSU going to, I think it was the Alamo, or going to some bowl, or Vegas. And then he had Washington State going to the uh, Alamo. And he meant Washington. When he went in and saw the whole story, uh, yeah. he, had, he had it right. But the tweet got messed up. Right. And they went nuts with a venom. I mean, I saw it and thought, oh, that's messed up. And I kept going because I don't really care about Brent McMurphy one way or another. But I, I, I thought of you. About and I went McMurphy. back to comments and I saw people light him up. And I'm like, I wonder how many of those are Ohio State people who are mad. Why are you this fired up? You just yeah. click on the story. You see what happened. Get over it already. Right. Because he took away some of their, man, I'm an Ohio State fan. Yeah. I, I, I'm well, a winner. I'm awesome. Yeah. They, they were afraid yeah. he took it away. But the truth is, how are they doing this year? Well, they've been beat up on cupcakes all the time. And so so the U of U is selling hope and sell it and see if you can get some kids to buy it and they have a great experience. Uh, I mean, Zach Moss, if he doesn't play again, had a great experience at Utah. He didn't really go to any big bowl games, but so what? He got a lot of playing time. He met a lot of different people. He got a degree. That's what it's about. He's going to get a shot at the NFL? Certainly, Yeah. yeah. All right, DJ, PK, Andrew Reinhardt join us in studio from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. At this point, when people come in, have you pretty much heard it all? Or do you hear different stories now and think, oh, I haven't heard it all? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I think I've heard it all, but then I get surprised. <laughs> so, yeah, we've seen um, guys struggling with erectile dysfunction in their 20s, which... Mm. 
people think is unheard of. It's more common than you think. And then we, of course, have patients up into their 70s, 80s, and even 90s. So it can strike anybody. Um, We see a lot of diabetics. We see a lot of guys with high blood pressure, prostate issues, everything in between. Uh, I think ED can happen to anybody with no rhyme or reason. Um, We do have a treatment that'll fix it. That's the good part. It's not medication. Uh, It's not an injection. It's not surgical. FDA cleared maybe five or six years ago to increase blood flow. So if you think about a guy with ED, what does he really need more of? He needs more of that blood flow. 801-901-8000 is the number for the Wasatch Medical Clinic. 801-901-8000. And so people have undoubtedly, our listeners watch games, they've seen the ads. So what's the difference between this and some of the medicines you can get? Well, if you take a pill, it it can increase blood flow, but it, it can't target a certain area. So your whole body... Uh, gets this kind of rush. And that's why you see the headaches and the bloodshot eyes and then the hangover feeling the next day. Whereas our treatment is more a physical solution in this part of the body only. So it's going to restore function in the bedroom when you want it to be there. You don't have to worry about any side effects. Um, There's nothing bad that can happen. You got a special offer if people call 801-901-8000 right now. We do. Uh, Pick up the phone, call us right now. We're taking all the risk and the embarrassment out of this, which I know there is some. Um, You come on in, we'll do a free analysis of you with our medical doctor. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound to check for any blockages. He can tell you why you have ED, probably. Um, Normally, that's a few hundred dollars. Call us right now. We'll do it totally free. And there's no strings attached to this, by the way. You don't have to do the treatments. A lot of guys come in and say, wow, I didn't know that that medication caused ED. I'm glad I have the information, and thanks. And that's it. 801-901-8000 is the number for the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, thanks. Thank you.